When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about the next aquariums that I'm going to do, and I've been focusing a lot on substrates, as you know, over the last few years and really working with that. But I also started thinking again about wood and branches, stuff like that. Um, Obviously, wood is a foundational. Wood is a, a focal point of our aquascapes. It gives power, it gives depth, it gives texture, and a certain presence to our scapes. And of course, it also has many, many functional aspects. And let's be honest, most of what I feel are some of the best aquascapes in the world uh, employ wood to some degree. However, though, have you noticed, uh, when I was thinking about this specifically about wood, you ever notice that most of the wood that we tend to use in the aquarium hobby is more of that branchy type and not anything reminiscent of, say, a tree trunk or a very large branch. Um, we tend to leave more negative space in our scapes as a result of not using these big trunk type pieces of wood. Now, granted, those are generally what's not available in the hobby. And I get it because the majority of the people want space in their aquariums. They want light, branchy wood. Nobody... Uh, has really gone out there their way to say, hey, I would like to have a big tree stump in my tank. I mean, some of us have, but the commercial wood suppliers obviously don't hear that. Yet it always strikes me as a bit odd because in nature, it's a lot more common to see streams and rivers and ponds filled with fallen trees or really large branches of trees. And it's not uncommon at all for small and even large trees to fall in the rainforest with, you know, the punishing rain and saturating ground kind of conspiring to easily knock over anything that's not firmly rooted. When these trees fall over, they often fall into small streams or in the case of the Varzea or the Agapo environments in the Amazon, they fall and are submerged in the inundated forest floor during the wet season. So it's a cycle thing. And of course, they immediately impact the well, what would change into an aquatic environment? They fulfill several functions. Number one, they provide a physical barrier or a separation from currents, offering territories for fishes to spawn in, offering territories for fishes to forage among and, and hide in. An entire community of aquatic life forms uses a fallen tree for all kinds of purposes. And of course, these trees aren't temporary things. They last for many, many years, fulfilling this important role in the aquatic ecosystems that they now reside in. It's a really interesting thought, and, and you, if you put it in the context of what we do with aquariums, it's kind of interesting, and you really have to sort of think this through. What, like, what happens when a tree falls in the water? Well, it's a familiar story to us as aquarists, right? Shortly after falling into the water, um, the tree is colonized by fungi and bacteria and other microorganisms, and biofilms populate the bark and the exposed surfaces of the tree. Now, over time, the tree is going to start imparting many chemical constituents like humic acids, tannins, sugars, all that kind of stuff into the water. The tree literally brings new life to the water. It sounds kind of corny, but that's the reality of it. 
The materials that comprise the tree are known in ecology as allochthonous material. We've talked about this many times before. It's something imported into an ecosystem from outside of it. <laughs> Extra points for you if you can you know, pronounce that word on the first try. And of course, in the case of fallen trees, this includes leaves, fruits, and seed pods and that fall in or are washed into the water along with the branches and the trunks and the trees that topple into the stream. It's sounding kind of familiar, isn't it? These materials are known as coarse particulate organic matter, and the waters of these inundated forest floors and streams contain a lot of this CPOM. The community of aquatic organisms, typically the aforementioned insects and crustaceans, uh, has a high proportion of what we call shredders, which feed on this coarse particulate organic matter and break it up into tinier bits called, wait for it, fine particulate organic matter. Again, these are concepts we've talked about before over the years, but let's think about it in terms of trees and stuff. And of course, some fishes directly consume the fallen wood and seeds and fruits and so forth as their, you know, for their diets as well, sort of adding to the refinement of that coarse particulate organic matter. And other organisms make use of the fine particulate matter by filtering it from the water or accessing it in the sediments that result. So these allochthonous materials basically support this huge, diverse food chain that's almost entirely based on our old friend detritus. And where does this all come from? It comes from the trees. And although the forest floor generally receives substantially less sunlight than, say, open rivers and streams, the nutrients of, uh, and available light are utilized by algae, which will colonize these surfaces facing up into the sun. And algal mats, which arise from these fallen trees, form another important food source and grazing area for many, many, many species of fishes. And of course, as we mentioned already, the tree will gradually decompose over long periods of time. Now, hollowed out sections will be inhabited by fishes and exploited for the shelter that they offer throughout the duration, which is can be decades, that the tree is actually present in the water. And interestingly, when you do some research, you'll find that scientists have learned that fish movement and species richness and population are all affected by the physical and biological influence of fallen trees. And in the wild, the deep beds of leaves that may be corralled by fallen trees as sort of a natural dam will actually limit some fish species which can't tolerate the lower oxygen concentrations found in these areas. It's very interesting. Other fishes take advantage of the physical barrier that a fallen tree presents to shelter from predatory species. Many adaptations have taken place over eons to allow fishes to exploit these changes in their environment caused by, yes, fallen trees. It's pretty hardcore stuff. So as aquarium hobbyists, what does this all mean to us? Well, for one thing, I personally think it's a call for us to employ some bigger, thicker pieces of wood in our tanks. Now, sure, I can hear the groans coming from some corners. I mean, big heavy wood has some disadvantages in aquarium work, doesn't it? First, the damn things are, well, they're big and they take up a lot of physical space and in our case, precious water volume. And the scale's a bit different. In other words, it's disproportionately large for the aquarium. And of course, a big heavy piece of wood is kind of pricey when you have to buy it and physically cumbersome for some people to pick up and move. Of course, you can use a few smaller pieces of wood to create a single large structure. Lots of ways to be creative and economical. And yes, a big piece of wood or aggregation of wood pieces in an aquarium does create some challenges, but most of them are in our head. And of course, a large aggregation of wood relative to water volume has a chemical and physical impact on the aquarium you know, environment. That's, well, sort of similar to that, which happens in nature, right? Yeah. So 
try a fairly large piece of wood or several pieces aggregated to form a big piece one time. Just try it. Arrange it in such a way as to break up the tank space and give the impression that it simply fell naturally or that the water came around this already fallen tree um, after a dry spell. Let it create these barriers for fishes to swim into, disrupted water flow patterns and small pockets where leaves, botanicals, substrate materials, and detritus collect. Yeah, encourage it. Populate the system with food organisms like Daphnia, Gammarus, and worms, animals like that, weeks or even months before you add the fishes. Just enjoy the biofilms, enjoy the fungal growth. Select a population of fishes that can exploit the variety of these new habitats that the, the quote-unquote fallen tree creates. There's many distinct zones which a larger piece or pieces of wood create if you really take a good look at it, and lots of fishes that make use of them. So yeah, trying what might appear to be a big, somewhat awkward piece of wood filling much of your tank can be a challenge to our aesthetic sensibilities at first, but guess what? You'll get over it when you simply enjoy the setup for what it represents, not for a typical aquascape. And when you populate the tank correctly with fishes that can utilize the interesting ecological, you know, ecological niches within the tank, you'll realize that conventional aquascaping or conventional tank configuration is not the only way. Of course, hobbyists have been throwing big old pieces of wood into tanks for you know decades, as long as it's been a hobby. But I don't think that we've played it all out in a manner that took advantage of the relative uniqueness of the concept. That is, we haven't really thought through the idea that a big gnarly tree trunk or an aggregation of large pieces in our tank functions not only as an aesthetic component, but more important, as an ecosystem, which supports not only an abundance of life, but provides a tremendously interesting study in adaptation and the resourcefulness of nature. Maybe off-ratio, maybe a bit more crowded-looking, maybe a bit different, a mental shift, just a little bit. Try it. Stay curious, stay adventurous, stay inventive, stay unconventional, stay undaunted, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending a little part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.